Yeah. Hey, uh, open up your Bible to the book of Jonah. I want to talk a little bit tonight about the call of God on our life. It's going to be a real um, wonderful time tonight in which that we do an uh, commissioning service for Andrea, who has been our worship director and now will be our worship pastor. And um, I want to talk about the call of God on our life in for uh, ministry. And so if you'll turn to Jonah, I'm going to be there in a little bit. We'll be looking at some scriptures. But um, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that you still call people into Christian ministry, into the office of ministry. You call us all to be ministers, but you call some into the office, into the anointing. And so we just um, pray as I handle the word tonight that it's, um, it's, a, it's a real sensitive area, Lord, because we've gone away from that in the years. And I just ask that you would stir it up as we've been praying as a church every day at 10 a.m., 10.02 a.m. and 10.02 p.m. And uh, so we just pray, God, that you would go ahead and call workers in your name. When I was growing up, I've been in church all my life, you know, so um, and I went to youth camp every year. It's a highlight of my life. Those of you that are going to youth camp this year, you're going to a real, real great place, and I'm envious <clears throat> that, uh, that you're going there, but it's going to be an awesome, awesome place. But when I was in youth camp and youth service years ago, we would not only receive the invitation to respond to Jesus with our heart, but over and over we had the invitation to respond to Jesus with our life, to receive the call of God in our life. And, and I remember every year at youth camp, there would be people that would say, yeah, you know, God called me to mission field, God called me to pastor, God called me to teach. And then through the year, a lot of times people that that calling would wane away, and next year they'd come back to camp, and it was, God called me again to be a missionary. God called me to be... So I was always a little reluctant that I never really wanted to say that unless I really meant that. And I remember um, I was 12 years old, so don't tell me. God doesn't speak to our kids. All right, so I'm 69, so you do the math. 12 years old, youth camp, Sunset Hills, around Edwardsville, Illinois. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was an outdoor service at camp. The moon was shining bright. There was dew on the grass, so the grass was wet. I remember kneeling down as these young people were kneeling raising my hands and looking up in the sky. And I knew that in my heart, at 12, God was saying to me, will you preach my word? Now, at 12, that didn't make much sense of what that meant, but I knew the call. Now, that call didn't clarify until I was 18, and I knew exactly what God had called me. But the call on my life came when I was 12. So we've been praying Luke 10 and 2 for the Lord to send labors. 
So I think it's time to start calling out that calling, not only to young people, but to others that through the years have felt like that maybe God was doing something, but they never really stepped out because they really never knew how to do that or what to do. These days, when people are growing up, they think more about careers than callings, more about money than ministry. But I believe that the biblical word in 1 Corinthians 1 and 26 says, consider your call. Consider your call. So I think the call that God is sending out is more than just salvation, but also the call into a ministry office. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, once said, none but he who made the world can make a minister of the gospel. Now, we say it around here, we teach it in Grow Track, we are all ministers. Say ministers. We're all ministers. We're all called with a ministry. Uh, God has gifted us with different giftings, and we're to use that gifting in an area or a ministry service where God has called us. So, but I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm talking about the office of ministry. I'm talking about the anointing that comes with a ministry office, not with a ministry of serving uh, with the gifts that God has called us. Only God can call a minister into the office and uh, he presents those as gifts. If, if God has called you into the office of ministry, and we'll read that in a minute here in Ephesians, then you are a gift of Jesus to the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 1, uh, 11 through 13 says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. You ever wanted to know what kind of gift that Christ would give if he was going to give a gift? Well, Paul says, let me tell you what he gave. These are the gifts that Christ, of all the gifts that he could give. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of the Spirit. God gives talents and gifts. All the Godhead has gifts. Uh, the talents that you have from birth are gifts from God. They're innate, God-given when you're born. Whether you use them in sin or whether you use them for the Lord, they're God's gifts. The Holy Spirit has given us gifts of the Spirit. But the gifts that Jesus gives to the church, here they are. There are five of them. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teachers. And so five gifts. And so we say it's like the five-fold or the five office gifts that Jesus calls. So people would say, well, how do you know if God is calling you to a ministry office? How, how do you know that? Well, I think first of all, it starts with, if you're writing down or taking notes or thinking about it in your mind, first of all, there's an inward call. There's something that happens inside you through His Spirit. God speaks to people, and He speaks. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, God's voice, he said, this is how you're called into ministry. God's voice heard by faith. He went on to say, there's just a leading. There's just a purpose. There's just a, just a feeling that this is something that God wants me to do. Charles Spurgeon identified the first sign of God's call in ministry. Listen to this. As an intense, all absorbing desire for the work. He said, you have a growing compulsion that you're to help people by preaching and teaching the word. The amazing thing is, God chooses us 
before we were ever born. Uh, he said to Jeremiah, the youngster, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet or my voice to the nations. He said, before I ever called you, before, I ever, before you were ever born, I called you. I knew you'd be born, and I have set you aside for this particular ministry work that I want you to do. Paul said this in Galatians 1 and 15 and 16. When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Paul said, I now realize that I had a purpose even before I was born that God called me to preach to the Gentiles. So I think one of the first things it starts with, it starts with that internal feeling like there's something I'm supposed to do. There's something I'm supposed to do and I, and I feel like that. And, then, and, and so then we, we, we pray, we get godly counsel. The second way that we get affirmation that we're called into the office ministry is through the affirmation from our spiritual leaders. It's not just something that you come up with. It's like the country farmer that felt like God called him to preach, and he preached the little country church. Nothing ever much was happening, and somebody said, well, how did you get a call into ministry? He said, well, I was out one day in the farm, and I saw this cloud in the sky, and it made a GP, GP. And he said, I just knew that meant go preach. And the other guy looked at him with much wisdom and said, no, I think that meant go plow. <laughs> In other words, I don't see much results. See, a lot of people think they, you know, it's not so much today, but years ago when I was growing up, a person who didn't have a good education or a person who didn't want to get a manual labor job would say that's called to preach. And if they get a little church, had 12 people, and that's all they ever had, 12 people, that's, you know, that was it. But I'm wondering about some of that sometimes. It is just people that flunked out and didn't feel like they could do anything else in the world. You know people like that. They're not called of God. They just want a private parking place. You see, no sign of any anointing on their life. And of all the ways to blame God for something like that, but there's an affirmation from people that know you. There is an effectiveness, and people see it. Years ago, when Andrea came, <clears throat> she came here, started uh, volunteering, and there was just an anointing on her. And, and through the years, that anointing, uh, I, I, I didn't know at the beginning that it was anointing to be called of God to be a pastor. Uh, I just, well, I could see that she had a real anointing to help people. She had a great anointing to lead worship. And, and as that grew, and then through the years, I watched. Uh, I, God didn't send me a, a, an email and say, I called Andrea. You should affirm that. Uh, but I watched when she would get up and say something while she was leading worship. And the anointing would come on her. And it would stir the anointing in me. And the Lord began, of course, I mean, I can see that. I mean, I can tell people that when they get up and talk, I guess it's because I'm getting older, that when they get up and talk or just share their testimony, I, I, I see that the Lord already working in their life, calling them into something beyond what they could ever imagine. Uh, and, and so uh, you, people come into you and they see that. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a British peace preacher, said this. I love this. 
A preacher is not a Christian who decides to preach. It is God who commands preaching, and it's God who sends out preachers. Acts 13 and 2 says, set apart me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, the call of God on a person's life for an office of ministry is not always subjective. Mine was very subjective. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God called me. Andy Stanley, probably one of the greatest young preachers that we have in the nation right now, didn't have a subjective call into ministry. He asked his dad one day, a fine man of God who still preaches, he said to him, Dad, do you think that a person has to have and know without a shadow of a doubt that they have a, a voice or a feeling on the inside that God has called them to preach? Could a person just volunteer if they felt that stirring? And Andy's dad thought for a while and he said, well, I guess so. I guess you could volunteer for that if you felt that stirring in your heart. And uh, I'm telling you, nobody can doubt the anointing and the call of God on Andy Stanley as he leads and preaches. So just because you've never received a subjective call like some people that say, well, you know, I was out there and I heard the voice of God or I felt this strong and then God helped me. No, uh, there are so many different ways. But it's not enough. What I want to talk about tonight also, it's not enough just to start and to respond to the call of God, but it's to continue and to finish. John chapter 17 verse 4 says, this is Jesus, I have glorified you on the earth by completing down to the last detail what you assign me to do. Let me say first of all, let me preempt anything else by saying this in realistic understanding. Being called by God into a ministry office is not full of warm fuzzies of appreciation for the rest of your life. There are times being called to preach or teach or an evangelist or a missionary, you will be in the loneliest place of your life. There's some things that you won't even be able to share with your spouse because it's something you have to deal with because if you shared it with your spouse, then they would take that as a defender of you. And so there's sometimes you have to carry some things that only you and the Lord knows about. Every week we hear another tragic story of ministers leaving the, the, the ministry or committing suicide or morally failing. And there are a lot of reasons. I don't have time to go through all those tonight. It's the constant betrayal that you go through in ministry. Constant betrayal. Um, it, it never gets... A, it used to be people would knife you in the back. Now people smile at you in the face and knife you in the heart. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. And, and, you, and you can never please people. They're always wanting you to do something more uh, so there's constant betrayal, there's financial pressures, dryness, fruitlessness that you feel in yourself, feeling unloved, feeling overworked, and hundreds of pastors drop out of the ministry every month. Yet, with all of its challenges, with all of its heartbreaks, I'm telling you, what I'm talking about tonight, if God calls you, it is the most rewarding thing of your life 
to know that God has called you to take this blessed book of his and to make it in such a way that people understand that. And I'm telling you, it is, I can't explain it to you. I, I just know that it's the sweetest thing I've ever experienced. It's the hardest, but yet the most rewarding. It's the most challenging, but the sweetest thing. It's the times when I feel like I'm a million miles away from him, and it's a time when I feel like he's whispering in my ear at the very moment. It's the most awesome place. Being called into the ministry, though, is not just for a season and then you retire. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that anywhere. Now, your ministry may take an adjustment, but it's not like, well, I'm going to do this for 30 years and then I'm going to do something else. You know, I mean, I look back and I keep up with some of my uh, uh, high school friends. You know, we graduated 50 years ago. 50 years. I know it's hard for you guys to even to fathom, right? But some of them say, well, you know, I retired from teaching, and I retired from this, and I retired from that. I've had three retirements. I'm thinking, well, I've been doing this for almost 52 years now, and I haven't retired yet. And uh, I may make some readjustments, but I don't think there is such a thing as retirement. This is for life. Why would God call somebody for a temporary calling? Why would you put him in a time frame? I want to finish strong. There's an oft-quoted Bible verse that Paul says in Romans 11 and 29, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. When God calls you into the office of ministry, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, what did I leave out? Something there. Prophet. It doesn't matter how much you blow it. Doesn't matter how bad. I don't understand this. This is this 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 boggles my mind. The uh, God's word says God never changes His mind when He gives gifts or calls someone. The message says it's under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. You can run from your calling. You can abuse your calling. You can make stupid choices and not be effective. You can be distracted by the world. You can be rejected by the church. You can be deceived by the devil. You can be pursued by trivia. But your dead ends, listen to me, your dead ends and your detours do not change the gifts and the calling of God. But some people say, well, I've waited too late. I couldn't do it now. I know God called me years ago, but I couldn't do it now. I'm too old. I've got a career. I've got a job. Do you think God didn't know that when he called you years ago? Do you not think that he's stirring that in your heart right now as I'm teaching? You think it's an accident tonight that I'm teaching this before we do this service? Because God is calling people back into the calling that he's put on your life. And he's getting ready to call young people into a new era of ministry. You can't get away from it. But You know, I, I never wanted to get away from it. I always wanted it. And I always felt the difference. At five years old, my grandmother, Baptist lady, used to take me to church, and she'd say, tell them what you want to be when you grow up, Terry. I never said a fireman, a policeman, a politician. At five, I'd say, I want to be a Church of God preacher. That's what I want to be. I want to be a Church of God preacher. We, my sister and I, you know, after my dad and them, you know, cleaned out the chicken coop, got rid of chickens, thank God. We, we rearranged that and got the chicken poop out, and we set up a pulpit, and we set up chairs, and I'd preach and make her get saved every time I'd do that. I believe I actually preached some of my best sermons at six. 
They were good. Simple, but good. If you're called into ministry, one of these days when you stand before God, he's not going to ask me how well I competed with other churches or other pastors. He's not going to ask me what great things that I did in this church. He's not going to ask me what programs I started. He's going to ask me, were you faithful to the calling I put on your life? And were you faithful to this book? So are you in Jonah? You thought I'd never get there, right? <laughs> Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord, if you, if you got your pen, would you underline that, the word of the Lord? This is the calling of God on Jonah's life. This is what I'm talking about. The word of the Lord, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, I want you to rise, go to Nineveh, the great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up against me. God said, I want you to go. Isn't it amazing? I mean, just think about it. Isn't it amazing to say, God called me, God spoke to me? But Jonah didn't want to go to the Ninevites because they were bad people. They were cruel. They were unjust. They made it difficult for Israel. And it just didn't make sense to Jonah because he had a hint and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an inkling that if I go and I preach this message, they're going to end up repenting and God's going to give them grace and they're not going to be punished for their wrongs. They're going to get grace. And so Jonah is saying, it ain't right. It ain't fair that they would receive the message of grace, and I ain't going to do it. <clears throat> I am not going to receive this call. And so he tried to run. You can run, but you can't hide from the call of God. Some of you have been running for years. God's got your number tonight. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Underline that, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, about 35 miles from where he was. He found a ship going to Tarshish, about uh, uh, 1,500 miles away. And he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Twice in there it says, from the presence of the Lord. It's an interesting Greek phrase, melephene. And it's used as one that's coming out of the audience with the king. In other words, it's the departure, coming out of the audience with the king. And here's what it is. Jonah was smart enough to know that he couldn't find a place away from God. But it wasn't that he was just trying to find a place away from God. The, the more emphasis here in the, in the Hebrew, not Greek, but the more emphasis here in the Hebrew is he wanted to avoid, listen to this, a one-to-one, -one, face to face encounter with God. He didn't want to have to face God. He was very brash in saying, I'm running from God, but he didn't want to face God. So look at this. Jonah runs from God. Look at the verbs. Jonah, he arose, flee to Tarshish, went down to Joppa, found a ship, paid the fare, went down, sailed to flee from the Lord. Folks, some of our failures are accidents, some of our oversight, some of them are slip-ups, but when you run from the Lord, it's work. 
Look at all those verbs. It's work. Can you see? Can you see Jonah? God calls. He, Jonah quickly throws some things in a bag. He travels to the nearest seaport 35 miles away. He goes from marina to marina, from captain to captain to find a ship that's going 180 degrees different than God wanted him to go. God, look at this. Check this on your map. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Like we'll say it's up here. So where does he go? He goes to Tarshish, the opposite direction, as far as you could go in the opposite direction from the presence of the Lord. We look at that and we say, oh, that's not me. I would never do that. But you know it's possibly to be an inside runner? While you may not go to the extremes of running from God externally, you can run from Him in a discreet, simpler way. You can carry on like you're very religious and you're doing what God has called you to do, and all the time you're not really obeying Him. You're going through the motions, but there's no fellowship. And inside, what's inside, it will eventually show up on the outside. So you may not purposely run, but something has happened in your spirit. Now, I mean, it's, it's just so amazing. Here he's on this boat. He's running. God sends a storm. And a few minutes ago, while we were worshiping, the Lord said, check out verse 17 again. So I looked in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And the Lord just began to really download into my heart because a lot of people say, well, I don't know. How could, I've never, was that a whale? Was that a big fish? What was that? How could he breathe for 72 hours? That doesn't really make any sense. And the Lord just really spoke to me a few minutes ago about that word prepared. That word prepared, the way it is in Hebrew, could be literally that he found a big fish that was there and he prepared that fish. Or it could have been a one-time big fish that he prepared just to grab a hold of the man of God that was running from him so fixed up that there was an internal place inside of there that the seaweed wouldn't destroy him, the acid wouldn't destroy him, and he would have a little chamber there where he could breathe because he goes on to say, I was in the belly of the whale and I called out to God in the middle of that whale. Now, how would you have prayed for Jonah? Oh, Lord, Get Jonah out of there right now. And God would say, no, not now. He needs to spend three days there. Three days in Hebrew was a, a mark of what they called a miracle. That you, if you were delivered from Sheol or the belly of hell and you'd been there for three days, it was a real big miracle. So, and, of course, the Lord Jesus uses that also. But here's Jonah. And, you know, he cries out to God. I look at this, just, uh, man, it just, things just began downloading a few minutes ago, and I don't have time to go into it, but chapter 2, verse 4. Then he said, I've been cast out of your sight. Then I will look again toward your holy temple. In other words, being in this ship is not, being in this belly of this big fish is not a good place. How many of you could say, yeah? No more than some of you, the place you are spiritually running from God. Because here's what you think. Some of you, God is getting ready to call you for the very first time. And here's what you're processing. Well, how could that be? I don't have an education. How could that be? I don't understand. How could that be? Nobody in my family. That's one of the things I struggled with when I was a kid. Because nobody in my family had ever been called into ministry. Nobody. And I thought, you know, because everybody seemed like everybody's called into ministry. Their parents or grandparents or somebody had been called into ministry. But not in mine. Nobody. 
You know, no, nobody. And so I struggled with that. How could, how could God call somebody from the cornfields of Illinois that really had no experience of that, not even known? You see, whom God calls, he equips. So don't spend all that time trying to figure it out. You just got to respond. Because if you keep running, you'll find yourself in that place that you don't want to be. But look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Say second time. Second time. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Man, I am so thankful for second chances, aren't you? Second chances. So do you think Jonah wiping the vomit off of himself out there after the Lord spoke to him a second time, do you think he was saying, oh, golly, gee, I get to go preach to these horrible people? No, I believe he was wiping the puke off, kicking the dust, saying, I don't want to do this. They don't deserve this. I don't want to do it, but I don't have another chance. I, I failed you. And to think that you came to a second chance and called me, gave me a do-over, a fresh start, a new beginning. I am so unworthy of that. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that God does that for us, aren't you? Sometimes we inwardly have been running. We fall out of fellowship. We make decisions that takes us away from his presence. But listen, here's the good news today. You can never, you can never outrun the grasp of grace and you can never overstep the boundaries of his mercy. Thank God for second chances. Would you give him a hand clap if you believe that? So you say, well, I, if God calls me, yeah, I'm feeling something, but I'm not sure. I don't know how to do it. And, and listen, wait. Remember, he always calls us, first of all, to be and then to do, right? Listen to this, Mark 3, 14 and 15. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. Say that with me, be with him. So that they would be with him. And that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. You see, your gift and your calling with God, that calling, that call of God is a, it's a gateway to spiritual intimacy first. And that spiritual intimacy then opens up the avenues for spiritual power. But there are a lot of people who feel, oh man, I'm called to preach. Give me a Bible. Give me a stage. Let me preach. But they've never developed the being with him, and they try to do the doing without the being, and it's only short-lived, and it won't be long until you can see that. Listen, when we try to exercise a gift for God, before you execute the gift with God, did, did, did you catch that? When we try to exercise a gift for God, preach, teach, whatever it is, before you execute the gift with God, you become like our old buddy Peter when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane 
and everything's going wrong, what does he do? He resorts back to the flesh, pulls out a dagger, and cuts off Malchus's ear in the midst of that. And then Jesus has to rebuke him because he was going against the plan of Jesus. You see, what qualifies us? See, people say, well, but, you know, Terry, what, what qualifies you to be called of God? Well, not a whole lot. He calls some messed up people. Right? Right, Pastor Ben? <laughs> You've heard his story. Three things, I think, that qualifies us. Character, competency, and conviction. I think the first is character. That's a major factor. You just can't lead without character. And if you're going to pastor or be in the office of ministry, then you can't ignore character. Character is who are you when you're not on stage? Who are you when you're alone? And if you don't have good character and develop that character with an intimacy with God, it's going to come out somewhere down the line when we see all these people morally failing. So it starts with character. Second of all, it's competency. Your competency is a direct expression of your gifting. I think the church has ignored for years competency. And we put nice people in ministry that really don't have competency. We put available people into pastoring rather than because they don't have a job anywhere else rather than finding people who can fulfill the purpose. The simplest way to tell if a person has competency as a leader is to look over their shoulder and see who's following them. If they have no influence, there's no competency. If you can't have an influence leading a small life group, then you're not going to have influence being a pastor. If you can't manage your own family well, then you're going to have struggle with the other. That's Scripture. And then lastly is conviction. What I mean by conviction is, I think that a church leader needs a conviction that this, that the church is worth my full investment. It's the best use of my time, my energy, and my entire life. So maybe you feel called to God, of God. So what should you do? Pray. Seek wise counsel who can affirm you. Make sure that your character, your competency, your conviction is right for ministry. And tonight, <clears throat> we are going to set into the office of pastor one of our own. 1 Timothy 3 and 1 says, It is a true saying that if a man or woman wants to be a pastor, that's a good ambition. That's a good ambition. I would say the same. If a person wants to be in five-fold ministry, feels like that calling, that's a great ambition. So, I hope that was helpful for you. And I hope that if God has called you, you will begin getting serious about that. And I pray that young people will be called of God. I'm going to ask... Andrea and uh, her family to come to the stage at this time. Would you give Andrea a warm welcome as she comes?
I'd also like for our elders and our board members that are here to come on up and join me. Come up over here in the center here. Over here. There you go. You know the game. You're always telling me, stand in the center between the two speakers, okay? All right. So these are uh, um, our, our elders, Anita, Pastor Ben, Pastor Tim. Jeff is one of our board members, and uh, uh, two, three other of our board members couldn't be here tonight, but they sent um, some prophetic words uh, for, this, for this night. So um, Andrea and Vance, uh, it was about 10 years ago. 12. Wow. You were just a baby then, weren't you? Six. And now Hannah is leading worship next door with the young people. Isn't that an awesome time? Amen. And Vance uh, leads our men's ministry and has been so faithful in whatever that we ask him to do. Yeah. Andrea, it's, um, it's, I love the story we talk about you from a bus driver now to a pastor. Wow. Who would have ever thunk? Yeah. So let me ask you a question if you'll give her your mic, Anita. I didn't tell you this in advance because I didn't want you to think about it. <laughs> What's brought you to this place where when I told you that I wanted to do this that you knew that it was time and you were ready? So talk to me a little bit about the process because there may be somebody sitting out here and they have a career, they have a job, or maybe they're volunteering, but yet there's that, that same stirring. So what could you add or what could you say to what I've already said about, you know, just in a practical way from you? Well, first of all, I was scared um, because I knew that God was stirring in me, but I got so hung up on the, that I'm not qualified yeah. um, that... It almost paralyzed me to actually, I said this to someone, I said, I don't, I'm not going to say anything because if I don't, maybe people will forget. <laughs> I literally said that to somebody and they laughed at me. Yeah. yeah they laughed at me. Yeah. Um, and, um, but when I get up here, whether it is in the, the, operating in leading worship or the times that I have been given the opportunity to teach. Um, it's something that I cannot explain that I just know I was born to do what I've been doing. And um, so a lot of praying, um, like a lot of arguing with God, just being honest, like arguing with him and saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Like I... Just a couple of weeks ago, um, I had this, or a week ago, I had this conversation with God and said, are, are you sure? Because I, still, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified. And he said to me so clearly, he said, daughter, I've promoted you. Mm. Yeah. Because I told him, I said, I didn't really sit around and ask for any of this. Right. But he said, you have been faithful with everything that I put in front of you. And I'm promoting you. Yeah. So I don't know if that, if that helps you know, anyone out there. I don't have like a 12-step process that got yeah. me from, from a bus driver to here. I just was obedient. Yes, that's um, it. That's he, the word. 
He put things in front of me and I just gave my, my whole self into it. Um, following him in fear and trembling, not knowing what I was doing. I tell the worship team all the time, I've told them from day one to now, that if he doesn't get up here with me, with us, it's going south. Because I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but he knows. And if I'm just open and obedient and receptive to what he has to say, he'll lead me everywhere that I need to go and where he wants me to go. And he'll do the same for you. Well, well said. Andrea, as you enter this first stage of your calling, we offer our support and advice as elders that we'll be here for you in those times when you're lonely or those times when you just need somebody to talk with. Seek the advice of ministers that have stood the test of time. Those that have tried, have been tried and have stood. As elders in the Father's house, we are satisfied as we interviewed you again this week, that you are called into the ministry. Our job is not to give you the call, but to recognize the call of what God is doing. I can't call you. So answer these questions now before God and the church. Are you sure of God's calling on your life? Yes. Are you now answering that call publicly? Yes. Are you now willing to dedicate your life to God? In service? Absolutely. Are you willing to go wherever he calls you to go? Yes. But not without me. You can't go. <laughs> Is it your desire to become pastor in the church? Yes. Do you promise to remain faithful to that call? I do. Well, then I charge you on the basis of your answers that you have given to fulfill your duties and obligations in the ministry to the best of your abilities. May God bless your ministry, and may you do a great work in his kingdom. Could I ask you to kneel, and could I ask your family to kneel with you? And we are going to lay hands on you and pray for you, placing you into this position. Father, it is in fear and trembling that we come to you and lay hands on this handmaiden of the Lord and her sweet family. We thank you for the gift and the calling in her life that even before she was born, you knew what you were going to do. There will be conflict that she'll have to deal with of people in the religious world that said women can't be pastors whereas the scripture says that in the body of Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female there are specific roles but you've called there are examples all the way through church history of women pastors, women elders and we acknowledge that and we stand firm on that we have more than one scripture to take care of that. So, Lord, I ask you to give her strength for those times. And I ask you, Lord, to place her in the body right now as it pleases you. And Holy Spirit, I pray with a fresh anointing to come upon her. In your name, Jesus. In your name. In your name. Andrea, I've had the 
wonderful opportunity to watch you grow in the things of God. And I feel like God is saying, this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what he has prepared you for. And it's, it takes a willing and obedient vessel. And you empty yourself and allow him to fill you. And it's evident to all of us that you have an anointing, that you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and that you are called for such a time as this. And the beginnings of what has been happening will just continue to grow and grow and grow, and God will continue to promote you. Yeah. All right. Somebody else have a... Pastor Ben, do you have something you want to say? Scriptures. Scripture speaks of the shepherd and that as we follow Christ, we shepherd his flock. And the statement there in Ephesians says that when we serve to care for God's people, we do so because he was willing to give his life for them. So we must also do the same. Yeah. And I have been honored and blessed over the years to uh, stand in a place like this and watch young people step into that ministry. And I must tell you, and I mean this with a sincerity of heart, you are one of the few yeah. that are truly equipped for the yes, call. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, Pastor, uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yes, Andrea. Uh, when I, Pastor Terry told me what was going to be happening here tonight, you know, I, I thought about it and I prayed about it and I've been praying for you for a long time. Because so I sit back in the, <clears throat> the back of the auditorium and watch you every Sunday. I watched Jeff go from the, the bus driver to Kid City for the first time he sang. And I remember asking, he said, he had such a beautiful voice. I said, why don't you sing more? And you said your heart was with the kids. So then, you know, you came on to the worship team, I think, when Duran was still here. And then you took it over when he left. But the anointing has been on you yeah. for a long time. And I've yeah. watched you grow with your words. And when you, when you, in between services, when you're talking to the congregation and stuff, it's just the Holy Spirit's got you. Yeah. You know, and I knew this day was coming. And I knew it was coming. <laughs> Amen. I think uh, Pastor Tim has some word from Beverly and Willie. That's right. I have three. Um, the first one is from um, from Brother Willie. And Andrew says, God says, I have given you a great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So go forth. I say go forth. The next two are from Sister Beverly. Welcome, say the Lord. Welcome to the priesthood. Know that you have chosen a good thing. Know that in choosing this office, much is given and much is required. I have anointed you, says the Lord, with power and authority, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As I have said in my word, know that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and life abundantly. As you go forth, as you go forth, you will do likewise for us, and you will do likewise as your power and authority against Satan, and that no weapon that he will use can ever prosper against you. Amen. The Lord says to my servant, Andrea, be not afraid, for I am taking you on a journey <laughs> that has elevated you to another level within me. Listen closely to my spirit as I speak to you. Your heart is about to be engulfed with my love. 
I've called you to a higher calling within. Be not anxious, but remain calm as the word of God fulfills you. Your eyes and your ears, the gates that I have given you to the world, your steps in me will be more precise than ever. The identity of me in you will be sharper. As I have given the light of my love within you, for things will change, mindsets will change. People that are around you will sense that you are sharper, not dull. Know that I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Amen. 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 Andrea, Vance, Hannah, as I was praying, Vance, my word comes to you. God said, says this to you, that as the man of the house, and as Andrea's covering and as her spouse, for you to even be more aware that it's up to you to put on the full armor of God every day to protect the gift that God has not only given to the body, but has given to you. Because over the years, one of the number one ways that Satan tries to destroy pastors is not a direct attack on the pastor, but often a direct attack on their family. And as she carries the burden of ministry, you carry the burden of protection for that gift that God has given to you. So he just says, put on the armor of God every day. Stand in the gap for your wife and your children and your grandchild. God says that to you today, that that's the call for you today. Amen. Uh, this Pastor Kevin, who is on our board as well, Pastor Kevin Goff, sent this word. And he said, the image I got was one who supports, one who strengthens the house. The support necessary in the Father's house is found in people like Andrew." Then I felt the Lord further say, pillars are not simply support. They are also connectors, connecting one part of the house to another. I believe the Lord is saying, Andrea will be used in the future as a support to the ministry and connection to God's future plan and future generations. Amen. Amen. Andrea, I love you like my own daughter. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And... We place you as a pastor in the house. This is a certificate of ministry. And so we say welcome, and we're so thankful for you. God bless you. Bless you.